Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, I asked work if I could go to altitude, and I think it is a massive, massive benefit if you want to improve your running. You produce obviously more red blood cells, and it's basically a legal form of doping. It is running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I almost said daily then. I wanted to say daily. It's not daily, it's weekly. I mean, that would just break us, wouldn't it, if we were doing this, like, every day? It wouldn't just break us, Jake. It would break the listener as well. You want to want to listen to this every day. This will tire people out, surely. But actually, the more I think about it, when we record, which is typically on a Tuesday, our listeners know that, we often say we record on a Tuesday morning. That's the kind of pattern routine we have. Sure. It's always a highlight of the week for me. It really puts me in a good mood. If we were doing it daily... That Mm. would actually be a really positive thing in my life. But would it? I mean, because, you know, as a kid, you think to yourself, God, Christmas is the best day ever. I wish every day was Christmas. I wish every day was Christmas. And then a boring adult goes and says something along the lines of, yeah, but if every day was Christmas, then Christmas wouldn't be special. And you spend time in your bedroom as a five-year-old kid thinking about this and thinking, actually, you're probably right there. So my question to you, Jake, is if we did this every day, would it be special? I don't know. I don't think it would. Every day can't be a holiday. I guess you are right in that case. I guess you are right. You mentioned Christmas, and it's interesting you mentioned Christmas. Obviously, the best day of the year. Yes. Today is the third best day of the year. Third best day of the year. Third best day of the year. So second is obviously my birthday. Of course it is, uh, yeah. First being Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and today is Martina's birthday, my girlfriend. So it's the third best day of the year. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Martina. I like the way that you say that it's the third best day of the year because for me, obviously, Christmas is the best day of the year, closely followed by my birthday. And, and like, my wife's birthday is not number three. It's not even It's not even top ten, seriously. It's well down there because I get really jealous of anybody whose birthday it is. So right now, for me, um, you say it's Marty's birthday. That just fills me full of jealousy. And I'm going, but I want it to be my birthday. I'm just jealous. Well, it's worked out quite well. And when I say worked out quite well, I mean it's been engineered. So let me let me give you a little bit of background, Pete. So um, my most of my ex girlfriends were had birthdays very very similar to me, right? Okay, and but it was my birthday second, so it will be their birthday first. But only one they're quite close to me. What do you mean in in the, in the year, in, as in, in the calendar? On the yeah, calendar. On the, in the calendar. Oh the calendar. right, okay. So that would put me under huge pressure because I had to buy the birthday present. First. Ah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could then kind of gauge what I bought them, maybe how much I spent, you know, how much thought went into it, and they can choose their present for me accordingly. Yeah. Which is a... Re- I mean, they got the better deal. Well, with Martina, my birthday was on the 18th of March. Hers is on the 30th today, which is when we're recording this. So it's great for me mm. because mm. I just kind of sit back, wait, see what she's bought, and then in that period between the 18th and the 30th, I can then quickly buy something that is equal or maybe just ever so slightly above what she bought Yeah, me. And that's how I do you things. You really judged that well. That's great. What did you... Um, what have you got for her? Well, I can't, I can't tell you, can I? Obviously, it's a surprise. I've not given it her yet. We do the present thing when she gets back from work because it's too brushed in the morning. It's not my surprise, is it? She's not there. It's her birthday today. This podcast isn't released until tomorrow, so it's not going to ruin anything, is it? So just... Come on. What is, what is it? I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a fairly good point. Yeah, but you send me the show later, don't you, to proof listen. Yes. So to make yes, sure that there's no issues with the show, you send it me, I listen, and then it goes live the following day. That's how we, that's how we roll on the podcast. No, you won't hear it until tonight. And it's Marty's birthday. You'll have given her the present by then. 
So just yeah, but she often proof listens to the show with me. So what if she's proof listening to the show and she's just about to open the present and then you spoil it? Yeah, but rather than when she gets home, rather than say, do you mind proof listening to the podcast? Just give her the present first. Right, I'll tell you what I've bought her on one condition. Today, I want you to edit two different versions of the show. <laughs> no, right? so no, one we're not going is obviously there. where I, I tell Martina, <laughs> I tell you what I bought Martina for her birthday. The second version is where I can't you bleep it out or something. And she'll be like, what, what, why was it, what did you bleep out? Why did you bleep, what was that bleep for? I'm like, oh, Pete said poo. <laughs> Again. Yeah, you already said poo. So she'll be saying Pete didn't say poo because when you said poo, <laughs> it wasn't edited out. This is getting weird. Look, I've bought her a hand mixer, okay? A what? Yes, I said a hand a hand mixer. What do her hands need mixing for? They look like perfectly no, good it's, hands. <laughs> it's a cake. Is that a hand mixer? Well, it's a handheld cake mixer. Oh, right. It's a cake mixer. <laughs> God, it's not God. a hand mixer. Well, at least we're not playing up the stereotypes mix- here, Jake. <laughs> you know, here's your birthday present, dear. Get yourself into the kitchen, make me a cake. <laughs> I bought her an apron as well. Look, she loves it. She really loves the whole baking thing. And she, her, she bought a really cheap hand mixer and it kind of broke, basically, yeah. this this cake mixer thing. So I said, oh, yeah. And I keep trying to put her off buying one because I bought, like, a really good one. It's like on Bake Off and everything. Nice, nice. I mean, I think it's a replica. It's not actually the one yeah. that they use on Bake Off, but it's the same version. So it's like loads of different speeds and everything and she'll love it. That's great. In all seriousness, it's really good for Martina's downtime, mm. her kind of mental space. And I say this to a lot of people, you know, she's busy with work like most people are in the world and she puts a lot of time and energy into running and wants to train for different races and they can, you know, it can come with a certain degree of pressure. And obviously with injury, with running, it can happen. And then when you can't run, what do you do? Well, she gets so much joy from baking. She loves it at the weekend. It almost doesn't matter whether she eats the cake or not. She does eat the cake. But <laughs> she actually just gets so much love and joy from baking. So it's amazing. So that's what I bought her, yeah. I think that's quite a thoughtful present, to be honest. Very specific. It, it is, and it, it does make sense now that you've explained it like that. Um, you know, um, Becky got herself... She bought herself something um the other week and uh it was something she asked for as a as a present for her birthday and i didn't get it for her because i just thought oh don't be so silly that's just a joke present she wanted a, a little like a handheld hoover thing and i thought you can't have a handheld cleaner because that's like that's that's not a present is it that's just something for the house but mate she loves it she has not put the thing down she's flying around with it it's got a headlight on it she's she's hoovering in the dark it's ridiculous. I said to her, you're going to have to stop hoovering. There's nothing There's no. There, there's nothing bad on that carpet right now. Yeah, I know there are loads of cats everywhere, but there's nothing bad. You, all you're doing is you're wearing out the carpet. That's all you're doing. You put that puppy in turbo and you're wearing the carpet out. See, next time she drops hints, mm. you need to listen to those hints. Take those hints. Don't make the judgment call for her. Don't think you don't really want that. When she tells you, that's what she wants. Yeah. Like, I'm going to report back and let you know if Martina likes her hand mix or not. I think she's going to love it. She's going to be baking like mad at the weekend. And this is a running show. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. It's a fact. Runners love cake. It's true. Today on the show, we're speaking to Holly Archer, the new 1,500-metre Indo-European silver medalist. I bet she eats cake. I bet <laughs> she runs for cake. She, she tells us she wants medals. I'm not going to believe her. She wants cake. She'll do anything for Battenberg, that girl. I'm going to ask her today on the show. In fact, it's a shame she doesn't do the relay. She could pass the Battenberg. Never mind the Batten. <laughs> Do you, do you see what I did there with the band? Yeah, the, the, I did. I'll explain after the show. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast.
Running with Jake, the podcast. Talking of podcast, I'm not sure this is the right show for you. You didn't do much plodding, girl, when it came to the um, the championship the other <laughs> week. That was a bit a bit mental. You were shifting along. Are you over that now? Are you over it? I don't know. I think the final was a, pr- a bit of a plod before it before it got quick. There was a we were going a bit pedestrian pace there. So um, no, I think this is very relevant. <laughs> but no, I'm well by your standards. By your standards, <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat watching that. I mean, it was just absolute madness wasn't it? It was carnage. For people that don't know, because I think there, there will be many listeners to this show that will have seen you on, on the Beeb and seen the uh, the achievement, your silver medal. Just tell us a little bit about that event and what went off, if you don't mind. For the people that haven't seen it, I highly recommend, um, you know, have a little YouTube. I did put some races up on there. Go, go and have a little watch. But, you know, I got my first GB vest. Um, I have been running since the age of 12. I've always wanted to run for GB and I haven't managed to achieve that dream until this year at the age of 27. So um, in January, I ran a couple of races and I got selected uh, to run for Great Britain at the European Championships in Turin, Poland. So I went to Poland um, in early March and I had a heat that went smoothly. I was ranked fifth and I ended up winning my heat, uh, run 409 for the 1500. And then the next day was the carnage day that you're referring to, which was the final. So we were all going after a medal. That's a European medal, a senior medal. And, you know, what tends to happen is people just go full-blown tactics so you know like cycling like a peloton and you know people just sit 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 in um and then go full-blown on the last couple of laps and try and kick kick for the win no one wants to take it out because everyone else will just sit on them and over overtake them that's just generally how racing works by take it out you mean actually pick up the pace push push the pace yes or get to the front so it, the thing is with indoors it's very different from outdoors so your track is half the size so it's only a 200 meters all the way around and that means you only have 50 meters to overtake on the straight now you don't want to overtake on the bend because a it's a bend so you have to go further to go round people and b it's banked so you're going high and then low so it's very hard to overtake and you have to use a lot more energy so you want to overtake on the straight now what tends to happen on the straight is people will slightly move out to the right and make it very hard for you to overtake so then you're wide on the bend so if you want to take it out you have to get to the front at the beginning of the race and hold your ground um or you'll end up having to use a lot of energy to overtake within the race so that's where i was stuck in the race i was at the back if you saw and looked back i could not get round for the life of me i tried to go inside i tried to go outside and in the end i just had to kind of grip my teeth and go okay wait for a gap wait for a gap because if i didn't i would have used up too much energy trying to get to the front and then maybe i would have got overtaken on the last lap so it's very tactical um, indoors. So that's that's kind of how it played out. So, you know, you just have to read the race as you're running it. I made one big mistake, and that was I was not at the big front of the race when the gun went off. So if I was higher at the front, I could have made moves um, a lot easier, easier. And in hindsight, I now know that. But if you also watched it, you would have seen that there was a group of Spanish ladies that had they had a right race plan. They had a tactic, which which is fun. Like they thought about it and they they all used it as a wall and didn't let anyone around them. And you, one thing you guys don't know is in the race, I could hear them talking about, you know, they had a tactic. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't think this through. Um, 
so you know they that's one thing I, I I think looking back I made a mistake on but it's okay I still got a silver so I was in the worst position at the bell I think I was sixth with with 200 to go so to get silver in that situation um you know I'm happy that I can finish really well I mean that last lap watching that was just awesome you know the strength to come through and and, and you could see the head shaking afterwards and you know that the hands on the knees and I mean, gosh, there must have just been a mix of emotions. You know, you mentioned tactics and the Spanish girls. Mm. Is this something that you can kind of prepare for? I'm not a track runner, Holly, so I don't know. Is this something you can prepare for or do you have to react in the moment? Do you have to just be so reactive or can you have a game plan? I mean, I had a game plan going in and it did not get executed. So my game my game plan going in was to take it on with three laps to go like I did in the heat because I felt so strong um, as an athlete. And I looked at every single heat back after I ran the heat. I went back to my room. I did all my rehab. I did all my recovery. And I watched every single heat. And I, and I was looking not only at my competitors who I was going to race in the final but I was looking at things like their facial expression how hard they pushed it in the heat how long how hard their last lap what time it took them and compared it with me and I went into that final and I went hey I'm I think I'm gonna win this I am strong right now I felt the strongest and I looked the best in that heat I don't have a big ego or anything like that I'm just very I, I reviewed the races and I looked at myself and I could see hang on I was cruising in that in that heat and a lot of people were working hard um so it gave me really good confidence so my my strategy for that final was to replicate a hard 600 now the thing is with 1500 meter runners is those spanish girls race like that because they wanted a fast finish because they backed their kick now 800 meter runners 400 meter can we can all finish a 1500 meter in about 60 seconds that's easy but not everybody can run a 600 metres in 1 minute 30, which is where I thought, you know what, I'm going to push with 600 to go because not everybody can hold it for that long. But I just couldn't get to the front. I tried my hardest. I was watching the bell lap go. And every time I tried, you can hear Crammy go, no, she's trying again. And I just couldn't get round people. So I did have a game plan. One thing I didn't analyse as an athlete, I should have looked into that. I didn't look at like the start list and go, oh, there's three Spanish girls. I wonder if they'll work together. Now, usually you don't because everyone wants their own medal, but maybe it's something I should have considered. I don't know if it would have made a difference, to be honest, but um, I did have a game plan. It didn't get executed. I just had to roll with it on the day and that's racing um you know it's that's tactical racing and you just have to be ready for anything um and in outdoors you can get away with a lot more indoors you've got to get to the front and lesson learned on my part i saw the race and it was it looked messy but at the same time man it looked exciting it really did and then of course there was the, the disqualification as well and and i've seen a couple of youtube videos but they didn't actually go into why that was i mean you, you know after the race you look like oh i could have done better um and then there was a disqualification first off what was that about why did that happen and how did you feel when that happened that must have been mm monumental yeah 
So like I said, I, I felt the most confident I've ever felt running at the moment. And when I got onto that start line, I, I genuinely thought I could win. Um, there was no one that was going to beat me unless they were willing to hurt more than me. So I was dead set, like, I'm here and I'm not going to give this up because there's not many opportunities where I could say, firmly say, this gold is mine. We have an incredible GB distance squad in Great Britain. So it's not every day that I can go, hey, I'm going to be the best. So when I was on that line, I was dead certain that, you know, I was definitely going to get a medal and I wanted the gold. And when I got into the race, as you, you're referring to, I was shaking my head off when I finished and, you know, my hands are on my knees and I was frustrated because that was when I went into the race. I don't know if you, you know, Jake, you run a lot, but if you ever go into a race, you say to yourself, hey, as long as you lay everything on out on there and walk off, then there's nothing that you shouldn't be proud of. Um, so I just wanted to be proud that I put a race down that I have been putting the work in for. And when I finished that race, I saw how it was done. I, it was not a reflection of the work I've been doing. It's not a reflection of the ability that I'm at. And that goal should have been mine. So I was just like, you told yourself, Holly, coming into this, leave everything on the track. And I didn't do that. So I was a little bit like, oh, I was frustrated. And then I got the silver and I was kind of like, I was, I was genuinely disappointed. I was like, ah, oh, silver. Like, and, and a couple of weeks ago, I would have been, I was happy to have got a GB vested go. So, you know, I'm putting a lot of goals for myself. So then I did speak to Jeanette on at the BBC afterwards. And I think my interview was, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed. And then literally 60 seconds later, I walked down the stairs and I find out I've been DQ'd. And I I think I just, I think I just went quiet and numb and a little bit somber. And I would, I just walked in to wet, to collect my, my kit. So you have like a, a like cloakroom. And I just stood there for a minute and, and, and I was just walking around, like trying to piece together. Oh my God, I've, I've screwed this up. Um, what have I done? And then I was trying to think back into the race, like, what was it? What was it that done it? And I know I took a risky move on the inside, but it ended up being a DQ for jostling. Now that's rule 17.2.2. And trust me, I will never forget the rule <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I know a lot about that rule. But um, but then when when I spoke to the, some of the coaches and I was in the warm-up area for three hours waiting on this appeal, because there was an appeal and there was a counter-appeal. So... I was in there for a long period of time and the and the coaches were saying to me look it's a uh, you what you've been TQ for is jostling but if you look back at that race everybody was jostling and it turns out that I wasn't the only person DQ there was two other people DQ and also there was three other appeals that you don't know about but it wasn't as essential because they weren't getting a medal so they didn't go through with the appeal because there's no need to because it didn't affect anything really so yeah, I think I was I was frustrated to begin with. And then once I got into the warm-up area and realised I think I could have lost the medal and, you know, that's not how I wanted to portray myself. I think I, I was really emotional. I, I, I felt like I'd let myself down. I felt like I'd let everybody else down. Um, and also I came here, like I said, to to race race hard and show my potential and show my training. And I didn't do that. So I was I was angry that I didn't, follow the plan um 
But yeah, when I finally found out three hours later, <laughs> 11 p.m., that I have finally got the silver, I was absolutely ecstatic. All of a sudden, you weren't annoyed about not getting the gold. <laughs> All of a sudden, it was like, thank God, I'll take the silver, I'll take the silver. <laughs> Just give me anything. Just don't be me. There's so much from what you're saying here. I take so much from it. And I, I can I can almost see the thought process. Things change, don't they? We we, we change the bar. We set our own standards. So in one breath, you, at some point, you're thinking, well, if I can qualify for these championships, fantastic. And then you do that. And it's like, well, actually, if I could just get through to the final. And then all of a sudden, and I'm sure, which I want to get into, you've got other ambitions moving forward from this. But it's that whole reflection process that I just love being part of. You talk about letting people into the, kind of your journey as an athlete. And I, and I love that. And I totally get what you said about leaving everything out there. You know, you, anybody doing anything that they want to really kind of go for and they're working towards, they want that payoff. So I'm talking running training here, of course. So they train for an event, be it indoor, outdoor, whatever it is, and they just want to execute and do themselves proud, do themselves justice in that event. And what I sense from yourself is you had that moment where you're like, I know I could have done better. And that's like a real mindful place to be because you mentioned earlier, oh, it's not, uh, you didn't say, I don't think you would use the word arrogance, but you know, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Where we're talking about the confidence going into that final. But that comes from somewhere. You, you didn't just, I sense, pluck that out of the air. You're basing that on what the other girls have done in the in the heats, what you, how you performed in the heat, your training. Do you do any kind of mental skills training as, as part of your kind of conditioning, Holly? Or is it just natural? I yeah no I don't do any type of mental training and I think it's just something that has come over the years and also I've found a really good piece like fitness form um the best I've ever had having been working full time um having not access to facilities and having known that I can do so much more still I think that gives me confidence and like you said there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance and I'm just confident in my ability right now I I truly believe that I can compete against these girls um, and I have the form to do so. So I think when you train and you you start seeing results in training, you have confidence and that confidence goes into races. And I've never had that before. So I've been training at a good level, but not at the level I'm training now. So that's just relaying. So it, 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 the evidence is helping my confidence, if that makes sense, um, which is... And and I'm trusting myself, and I'm tr- I'm I'm kind of switching off the brain and just letting myself run, which is um, yeah no, it's just something that I'm doing myself. But yeah, I could look into to working more with the brain because in a race like that, it's all about the brain, not the legs. It was you know everyone was fit in that race, everyone was capable of going you know within a second of each other based upon PBs and season bests. So when it comes to a race like that with nine girls, we've all got lungs, we've all got the fitness. Um, we've all we're all determined. It's it's a case of who does what in the brain, who wants it more. So yeah, you just have to be aware of that. And um, you know, before the race, maybe you know, I I do have a routine that I stick to, and you know, know what I want coming out of the race, and just you got to make sure you execute it. That that's it. Got to back yourself as well, haven't you? I mean, it's not arrogance. Yeah. If you're at the level that you're competing at, and you say all those girls, you know, within a second or whatever, all things being equal, they're all you know top performers. 
you've got to back yourself because how are you going to extract you know having i've always said having the performance and the ability is one thing but then you've got to use it you might as well have nothing if you're not able to actually use it on the day and i think that's that's really important i think that comes from from the mind you talk about form holly why now i mean you're you're 27 yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah so what what's what's changed significantly i mean obviously young girl but you know in the training sense 1500 meters when do you see yourself peaking and why now with this form is something changed significantly in, in your life or in training or is it just year on year of that kind of accumulative effect i went out to the u.s and did the whole scholarship thing and i clearly wasn't in the right you know the right place because i had e- i had everything you know their physio out there is incredible they pay for your flights they pay for all your kit you're 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 a student which is you know it's not it's not really stressful do you mean mentally when you say you, you weren't in the right place or do you mean geographically both physically um i was out in texas dallas for five years doing my undergrad okay. and grad school on a scholarship but they you know you race so you're basically a professional athlete whilst getting your education and what because they're paying for everything um they pay for your flights they pay for your kit that's a scholarship and that's the dream but i don't think it was the right place for me because i'd never i didn't progress as i'm progressing now so surely you know i had everything and something was missing right so then i came back to the uk i've got a full-time job that's a lot more stressful and now i'm flourishing because what what have i changed it's my training i've changed up my training a lot uh, just uh, i do more intense workouts i do a little bit more mileage um i just have a little bit more essence into my training so everything's for a reason so oh why are we running this long at this pace ah right why am i doing 400s at 65 seconds ah right because that's my race pace that's what i need to be able to do so everything has a reason in training now so i think now i'm putting together this training um with a full-time job and having a bit more backing behind it and i found a really good bit of form I asked work if I could go to altitude and I think it is a massive, massive benefit if you want to improve your running because you produce obviously more red blood cells and it's basically a legal form of doping. It, it is. Um, and when I was racing against these girls a couple of years ago, um, I wasn't doing that. So therefore... I stepped away from the race and go, what are, what have these girls got that I haven't? Why why are they better than me? Because mentally I, I want to do it. I put the hours in, I put the F in. Are they just more talented? Or what do they have that I don't have? And if you look at every single elite distance runner, they go to altitude. They go to altitude, they train hard for six to four weeks, they drop down to sea level, and then they're full of red blood cells, which enables your blood to get to your muscles quicker, oxygen, and you know you feel better, you feel more comfortable throughout the race. So you get fitter. Um, so I decided to do it. And you know what, I went out in January, um, I asked work to work remotely, so I was getting up at 6am to get the 2pm calls, because obviously the time difference, and then I had the afternoon to go and train, and then I, I worked again in the evening, so I just fit, fit my work around my training, and you know, I'm really grateful that they did that, and it was a bit of an, of an experiment, and it works, so I think... The altitude training has had a massive impact on my performance and that's why I'm where I am at the moment. Where was the altitude training? 
I went to Flagstaff in Phoenix, Arizona. So it's two hours up the mountain from from Phoenix. Um, and yeah, it's at 7,600 7, feet or something like that. I think it was around 2,500 meters up. So it makes it makes running a lot harder. It makes sleeping a lot harder. Um, you have to um, make sure you're really hydrated. The runs tend to be a lot slower because because it's harder. It's like running up the stairs. That that kind of feeling you get. That's how it feels for the first mile or two, and you slowly slowly start to adjust. And that's because you're producing more red blood cells for your body to compensate. Do you know, I always like the idea of going on holiday to Arizona and you've just turned me completely off it. You really have. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds awful. Hey, you can go skiing too. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) You'll convince him. You'll convince him, Holly. But you talk about the red blood cells and the the, the high altitude stuff. Kind of four to six weeks, is that kind of the optimum time to, to be out there? And I guess you have to time that close to your event so you get the benefit when you do come back to sea level. Yeah, so everything for me planned for the Olympic trials is now is now set so it's worked backwards so my race is the 26th 27th of June I will drop down no more than three weeks because after three weeks it's you tend to start to get back to your normal state um so then I'm gonna do you you can do four you four to six is extra I think three to four weeks is good but I wouldn't do anything less than three weeks because you want your body to adapt and about three weeks it starts to do adapt and then onwards the more you can do the better I think I haven't got a pdh in this I'm not a professional but just based upon conversations and and people that are currently let their coaches um I've just had conversations and they usually stay there for about four to six weeks then what you want to do is you go find a race which I'm going to go to in uh, mid-May and you target a qualification time so I need to get that Olympic standard so that's my race that I'm targeting so I'm going to do six weeks drop down to sea level throw everything at that race and try and get the, the standard go back to altitude for maybe one or two weeks just to top up and then start if I don't get the time race a circuit and try before I go to the the trials which trials is all about position positioning you need to come top two or three um it's not about the time it will be tactical like you saw in poland so you want to get the time before then go to the the trials and get the position so we're talking to you on zoom now obviously we can see you on 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 the video i can see the determination in in your eyes when you talk about the olympic trials it's a foregone conclusion i don't want to uh, curse it but it sounds to me like this is in the bag and you know you mentioned about experience or being an expert rather i'm not an expert you know in, in in phd in this stuff clearly you mentioned the word essence earlier clearly you take real ownership of your training and you have you know we mentioned awareness earlier in this chat but you kind of essentially like to know stuff because that knowledge is going to help you to surely apply when it comes down to those training sessions and you can execute with perhaps a little bit more accuracy do you you kind of enjoy the detail holly because some runners of all levels they can't they're working with a coach they just some runners will just leave it to their coaches like tell them what to do and i'll do it whereas Mm -hmm. i sense you get invested i'm completely full confidence in my coach like i tell him what I like um but I am a planner and like I said like in Poland I was so confident on that line because of what the results I'd seen so if you're a runner out there and you like to look at your watch and you know have an average of 730 and that's like oh that's PB shape or 
I'm the same. So, you know, I know what I need to do to to run a fast time. And it's ba- I break it down on, you know, that 1500 meter time, I need to run 65. So if I can go and run that in training quite comfortably, it gives me that mental edge going into a race that I can do it because I've done it in training. Um, and in training, it's so much harder, right? Because you don't have the nerves, you don't have the the, the tapering, you don't have the, the other people around you. So yeah, I'm definitely a big planner um, and I like to see results. Um, but I do also set some training sessions specifically to be like an application of a race. So, you know, an 800 at 1500 meter race pace, which would be 210 for me. If I can go and do that in training, I, I've, you know, it makes you feel so much more comfortable in races. But yeah, I have everything planned out. Um, and it just makes me feel really confident that I can go and, and do what I'm set out to do. And also, I've only got one shot at this. It's not every day that this can come around. So I just don't, I don't have room for mistakes. So I need to make sure that, you know, I have a plan and that there isn't anything that can go wrong. And if it, something does go wrong, if I don't get that time in May, then there is another opportunity to run it a couple of weeks later. So, you know, I've I've done I've done everything I possibly can. So if I don't do it in June, and I know you said, oh, I've got it in the bag, and I have got it in the bag if I pull it off. Yeah, I agree. But also, I'm up against very very elite professionals that have been round and done this over and over again the likes of Laura Muir the likes of Gemma Riki now they're full time and done it for years um and don't get me wrong they are incredible athletes and these are the people that I am going to have to contend with so there is a room for a number three um but I've also got other professionals that are going for the same thing Olympics isn't something that people are gonna go oh no I'll just do something next year no everyone is going to be going for it so you know I have to get on that same page and give myself just as the same shot if I want to do it. You mentioned elite athletes there and up against elite athletes and I think that's a real good point that you make because you are training like a pro athlete, you are a pro athlete, but actually you've got a full-time job, you're spinning plates, you're not funded. You, uh, Am I right in saying you didn't come up through kind of the natural ranks as it were and the, and, and the natural kind of, take the natural path that a lot of the young athletes normally take? No, exactly. So I'm full-time um, and actually after Poland I walked off that track and I think the first time in my life um I walked off and go you know what I think I can do this and if I don't do it I want to be able to try to have done it and hold my head high and say okay when I'm 50 60 oh I missed the Olympic standard by one or two seconds fine but I tried I don't want to walk off and go I didn't do everything I possibly could have done so the things that how I looking at the situation? Okay, if I want to get on that plane to Tokyo, what do I need to do? Number one, I need to run that time. How am I going to do it? Okay, I need to train hard. I'm doing a full-time job. What can I do to change it? So I've decided to go part-time a week after that race. Um, I spoke to work. So I'm now going to be four days a week for April and three days a week for May, um, which will help massively because right now I don't go to the gym and I don't get physio. Um, and so you know, that's going to free up time for that. Um, but also I'm not funded. So this camp to, um, to Flagstaff is expensive. The accommodation is a couple of grand. The, the rental car is a grand. The flights is a grand. So it's about five or 6,000 that I'm having to find out of my own pocket. Um, and being part-time now means that, you know, funds are, you know, it's a struggle. And, um, 
I'm kind of going on a leap of faith here and hoping that I will prove myself and prove everybody wrong and come after the Olympics I will be able to get myself a contract with a brand but for now it's about you know raising those funds talking to companies and and seeing who will back me it's difficult it's a difficult one at the moment but um I think I have to make this tough decision and and just go for it because I just don't want to live with regrets I mean now is a crucial time isn't it in your career I think we've established that can certainly get that sense from you the Olympics you don't come around every year this is a very very important moment and funding is obviously going to help because you you need the funding to be able to do these things put more time into the physio and the other stuff mm-hmm. that perhaps has to kind of be put on the back burner because you're spinning plates with it with the company it's great that they're so supportive by the way isn't it and, and yeah. that they help you but you must be closer to to being able to start to look at funding and, and create those kind of relationships and make some noise yeah. based yeah. on what, what's happened recently. And, the, and I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, Holly, but because we talk about the drama in, the, in that event, which is probably awful to go through, yeah. but it almost makes it more of a talking point. It, it's more yeah. than just a silver medal in my mind. Does that make yeah. some sense? Yeah, a lot of people said that. Now, it's funny you say that with, with I have spoke to a lot of brands and, and they are interested, but the current situation with COVID has meant that people aren't as able to give out contracts because you know you can't take somebody off a contract because it's not fair because it hasn't been races for them to hit their you know their contract details etc so I think given it, I've just got bad timing in that aspect and you're right with everything that happened it did cause more people learn about me as a character they they went through the emotion with me and they want to want me to be I'm not just Holly the runner it, they feel like they know me on a personal level so that's great for brands and um you know and people to to back me so there is opportunity there it's just bad timing because of covid unfortunately well listen you're in the right place this is the running with jake podcast your weekly dose of running motivation <laughs> pete is exceptional at begging he begs every week <laughs> for patreon to try and get us some support for the podcast <laughs> pete come on man what, yeah. what what can we do here we've got to be able to get holly some uh, you know relationships with some top brands i mean holly if you want if you got any brands in mind that you'd like to work with maybe pete you can work your magic i'm thinking here sure of course i'm, I'm very experienced with this kind of thing but first of all jake i've got to tell you that it's not begging it's not begging all i'm doing is i'm offering people an opportunity to work with holly to um to capture that emotion <laughs> to create a new level for your brand by allying uh with an athlete so fine and a personality so fine it's not begging jake it's just offering opportunities that's all it is yeah if you are a premium brand and you are listening to this episode right now and you would like to work with holly sponsor holly help her get to the olympics and smash that gold then it, just email podcast at runningwithjake.com but you only want top brands though Pete right we don't want you yeah. know kitchen appliances and stuff like that no 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 kitchen appliances <laughs> nothing like that and then the people who tried to sponsor us a few weeks ago not them either because that's the worst website no strike them off seriously we, we are bad <laughs> we're bad at approaching sponsors we have had a few sponsorship opportunities from some very bad brands uh, one of which was ilovebread.com which you, you've got to see that website Holly it's the worst website you've ever seen it's, I'm going to go check dreadful. it out Holly, right now. We'll, <laughs> go and check it. We'll look after you. We will look after you. Listen, it's been absolutely awesome chatting to you on the show. I really appreciate you making time. You know, in all seriousness, you are super busy with everything, spinning plates, uh, going for the Olympic trials. Come on. Can't yes. wait to see how it goes. Yeah. If people want to keep up with you, Holly, where can they check out your training and stuff? Your Instagram, please. Yeah, I think the best place will be Instagram. I'm doing a good job to update that. Hopefully daily you can see my journey, where I'm training, what I'm eating, um, my recovery. Follow me on Instagram, which is Holly 
a archer um so yeah that's my instagram so feel free to to follow along give me a follow give me a message whatever holly i have one final question for you we ask everybody on the show this is your weekly dose of running motivation mm-hmm. what does the word motivation mean to you uh motivation is all about your your desire and your passion anyone can have talent and anyone can get something done you can go to work and you can finish your day at work but motivation is how much passion you put behind that so if you're passionate about something and if you really really want it then you'll excel at excel at whatever you're doing anyone can ha- be good at something but you can you'll be unbeatable if you you're the most passionate about it holly great to chat to you have an awesome day catch up soon thank you running with jake the podcast your weekly dose of running motivation out every wednesday never miss an episode by subscribing now some call him the Oliver Twist of the podcast world. <laughs> All I know him as is Patreon Pete. I'm not begging. I'm not begging, okay? This is not a begging bit. I'm not that not no, what no point did I beg on this podcast? I wasn't begging on behalf of Holly, and now I'm not begging on behalf of us, okay? Right. Now, all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to offer you, the listener, an opportunity. An opportunity to dig deep into your pocket and pay for something that you're enjoying. That will make you feel good. Seriously, it will. I'm not begging. I'm offering you the opportunity to give us some money. <laughs> it sounds a bit like begging, but it's not begging. Okay? If you do want to give us some money, uh, you can do. Just pay for the stuff that you're getting for free at the moment. Just go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. There's a big Patreon logo at the top of the page there. Do you know what? If you clicked on it and you and you gave us like a quid a month, that would be absolutely amazing. It really would. And it does, it does blow us away when we actually get paid for this stuff. Amazing. Please do that. If you do, we'll treat you extra nice, okay? Not begging. From begging to giving, <laughs> it's time for hashtag AskJake. Simon has got in touch and he's getting fired up for autumn marathons now, praying that they go ahead. And he wants to know whether it's a good idea to be looking at a positive split, uh, a negative split, or running the whole thing evenly. So for those people that don't know, a positive split is where you run the first half of a given race uh, faster than the second half. You slow down in the second half. A negative split is where you set off slower and in the second half of the race you actually run that quicker. Now, my advice really with this, Simon, is actually you don't want to do anything that's too extreme, would be my advice. So you don't want to set off super, super, super slow uh, based on your target time for the marathon and leave yourself too much to do in the in the second half, you know, trying to run a negative split. Conversely, you don't really want to be banking yourself some time by setting off like a rocket, you know, a hair at the start and then finding that the wheels come off in the second half and you slow down significantly so generally even pace you know an even pace in a marathon is is kind of the best way for most people as an as a as a kind of an approach um there has been a lot of research to suggest that as much as we hear elites running negative splits getting faster in the second half for most people kind of recreational level uh, most of us will run a positive split and that's not that that doesn't have such uh, negative repercussions as people may think but i think the key is making sure it's not too extreme so let's say you want to go under four hours maybe you want to be setting off around four hour pace or there in best of luck with your pacing for the marathon i hope indeed it does go ahead don't forget to let us know how it goes if you've got a question then it's hashtag askjake or you can get in touch via email it's runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast it's the end of the show now it is yeah i always say 
that brings us to the end of another episode, and I feel like I'm always saying that. I need I need another way of ending. How do I get How do I get into the end? What's the intro for the ending, dude? I think you're overthinking it. We're nearly done. Well, is it nearly it, or is that it? Yeah, it's pretty much done. Well, look, it's over. But when it's almost over, I just need to do this little wrapping up bit. Don't be pressing stop on your podcast app right now. In fact, if you are looking at your mobile phone, just make sure you press that little subscribe button, all right? We don't want you to miss an episode of your weekly dose of running motivation. Stay safe for the rest of the week. Remember, we can now mix two households, can meet outside, up to six people, which means we're just starting to get back into a little bit of sociable running. Stay safe. Run well, and we will be back here next week for another Running with Jake podcast episode thing. Is that, is that okay? Did that, that, that work? That sounds fine. I think that's good, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. And one more thing. <laughs> It's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. <laughs>